Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Wednesday morning here, Columbus, Ohio. The Blue Jackets set to face Detroit tonight in Nationwide, the sixth of eight preseason games on the slate. They're down finally to a manageable 30 players in camp. They've got some difficult decisions, though, ahead of Monday's 5 p.m. roster deadline. Will they keep Cole Sillinger? Does he make the team? What about Yegor Chinikov? And if both of those rookies make it, which veterans get the squeeze? Uh, They've got five cuts to make by my math. That, That number 30 comes down to 28 when you consider a couple of injuries. So these last three... Uh, preseason games could be meaningful. I suspect the veterans will play in two of them. Um, There's a lot going on around the NHL and in Columbus right now. Joining us to help make sense of it all is one of our favorites, the pride of Steubenville, Ohio, an alumnus of Heidelberg University, also known in some circles as the Stanford of Seneca County. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) ESPN's John Butchergross is here. Yeah, I consider Heidelberg the Harvard of Northwest Ohio. Now, my daughter goes to Ohio University, and it's roundly considered to be the the Harvard of Hawking Hills, which is <laughs> alliterative and wonderful at the same time. Yes. Bucci, how you doing, bud? Do, doing great. Looking forward to the season starting and uh, being back involved in hockey. Oh. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good re, re-energizing moment in my long, uh, banal career. Well, I was just going to say, so I'm one of those guys, when, when I'm looking for – uh, say a, a, the Browns game is it on Fox? Is it on CBS? Bang! There it goes. I'm not really, I'm not really that torn by one or the other. I don't have a preference one way or the other. I just want to see the Browns game. Yeah. But Bucci, when I watched the NHL draft show uh, this 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 summer, that's when it hit me that hockey in the United States it feels like it's back where it should be. You that was so that that. Just the way that that was covered was so perfect and so natural and so organic. You seemed perfectly at ease, and of course you will be, were because it's it's in your wheelhouse. Uh, it just I am so excited to see it back on on the network again. Just tell me your thoughts. You got to be over the moon as well. Yeah, the draft was really fun because that was the first time I was really a little not nervous, but just a little you know uh, concerned about. How it would come out because I've you know I've done Sports Center really pretty much exclusively now uh, the last decade and I could pretty much you know I could show up drunk ten minutes before and do that show right. you know it's just right. I mean I know I know the dance I Wheel know house. the dance steps yeah it's just it's 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 uh it's I love the one hour that I do it with uh, when I'm on you know uh, but it's not it, it, I know the dance it, it, it's a it's a produced show that and you get all the uh, all the mechanisms so to go down to the draft and different studio down in Secaucus, New Jersey, NHL network, MLB studio building. You got a new producer in your ear. Obviously it's a, a draft. I've done uh, a draft before, but it's been a while and not many of them. So it was, it was cool to be kind of nervous and, and not exactly sure where we're going next and make sure yeah. the uh, synapses are firing. So it was, it was good. And yeah, I agree that I, I thought the NHL would get a bit of a, a jolt when it was announced we're getting back involved in hockey. But um, I think, and I think especially our suits were probably uh, really blown away by the response. I knew it was dormant out there and it would be a pretty good response, but even I was surprised 
it was a little bigger and more uh, enthusiastic than I thought. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And Bucci's hosting a new NHL studio show, The Point, which debuts tomorrow, 3 p.m. ESPN2. Is that correct? I think that's right. I think that's yeah. about right. I'm not, I'm not sure of the time exactly and network okay. always, but yeah, in fact, I'm driving there right now to do a little rehearsal with Mark Messier and your boy Torts, John Tortorella, oh. just to kind of get them used to the studio and make sure they're ready to go and ready to bring it. I'm not going to accept any half-hearted opinions. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be fun to do that debut show uh, tomorrow. It'll be an hour long and uh, in the afternoon. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be on in rinks and the players when they're in their hotel room or in their home, they can just pop it on and have in the background, just have a hockey show there, uh, kind of as part of your day, which, which obviously the country of ours has been lacking for a while. Yeah. And that 3 p.m. time seems perfect because that's kind of when guys are getting up from their naps. Right, exactly. Post-nap, pre-chicken parm, sweet spot. Now, the biggest question I have, and I love this quote from you, if NHL Tonight had a child, it would be The Point, which is the name of the new show. (laughs) Does the theme music survive? Yeah, that's a good question. I've even asked if we have music. I assume there'll be something. Maybe it's just generic bumper music, or maybe they're going to use the Hockey Night music that we're going to use for the games. Yeah. Um, you know, for a quick 10 second intro, I don't know, but I yeah. don't think the, I think the NHL tonight music, which is obviously oh. different than a national hockey night music alarms, but I'll yeah. see what I can do to dredge it up. No, actually that's national hockey night music. That's not, that's not NHL tonight. music. Well, what was the NHL tonight theme? There you go. There you go. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, 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 wonders, yeah. Do I do? Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, something um, like that. Now, you're also going to be doing some play-by-play for the network, too, ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, very excited uh, to dream yep. come true. 32 years in the making. You know, when, when I was a kid, I always wanted to broadcast, um, you know, obviously the big four. I was a professional sports fan growing up because my dad was a professional yes. sports fan. So, you know, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL. So, you know, 32 years after I was hired to get that chance, uh, long time coming. And so I'm looking forward to I'm actually doing opening night, Las Vegas, home to Seattle on no, ESPN. Oh, wow. So I'm actually That's... on the mothership for a part of our opening night doubleheader. Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro have game one in Tampa, Pittsburgh and Tampa. Then I'll have game two with Ryan Boucher and AJ Malesko. So, yeah, I mean, that's. I was flabbergasted when they told me a little surprise to tell you the truth. <laughs> I didn't think it would be me, but I'm glad. And then after that, yeah, I got a, you know, I got a couple more games in October. I'll be in Detroit and uh, I'll be in Buffalo for a Bruins Sabre game. I got six games in November and I'm going to Seattle and LA and San Jose. So kind of, yeah, to kind of, I'm sure a lot of guys my age are probably sick and checking in the hotels and airports and kind of going around the country. But for me, I haven't really done it before. So my battery is full. So I hope I can kind of intersect my experience in the game and my experience in life with my enthusiasm for this kind of new thing. And so, yeah, it's a a big blessing to be able to, at this stage of my career, I'm sure there's not a lot of 55-year-old school teachers saying, yes, second grade again. Yeah. Right. Let's do it. But here I am. I'm kind of like that 25-year-old kid who gets to do an NHL game. Well, that's what it's all about. Um, So a couple months ago, I texted John Tortorella and I said, John, I'd like to personally welcome you to the media. (laughs) And he fired right back. 
reports. I'm not, in the goddamn, reports I am not in the goddamn media and you know it. I said, oh, no, no, you're in the media. Don't yes, ever say are. I'm in the media. I said, John, I, can, I can't get you into the Pro Hockey Writers Association because you know right now. But I'm sure there's a broadcasters group you can you could join. And he, you know, he was he had a good time with it. Um, he's going to be amazing on on camera. Tell me what your thoughts are working with him. The beauty that is John Tortorella. Well, I hope, you know, I just I'm always a little bit hesitant that people want to work to be coach again or be involved again in the league. Well, right. Will they, will they all will they always bring it? You know, they always yep. don't. Sometimes it's a little vanilla. Uh, first time around, though, Torch seemed to, to let it fly a little bit. He did. Um, my hope is he gets comfortable and just wants to become a TV star and give up coaching. It still pays very well. It doesn't pay, you know, the three to five million bucks he'll make as a coach. It doesn't right. pay that much, right. but it still pays very well. He could basically have a seven-year deal if he's good. With, um, uh, his deal is and you do a good job and you love it and you work well with him as well. No stress. Uh, in hockey. Still make contributions. We've seen other people do it, you know, from John Madden to John Gruden for a while before he went back. That you can still be very involved, profit from it, be fulfilled by it. So that's kind of my hope. My goal is to turn torts off from coaching and just keep accepting that paycheck that has Mickey Mouse on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you remember the the first time I think he did TV, he was quite a, he was as he should have been opinionated about Sean Avery. Yep. And then got the Rangers job, and lo and behold, a few months later, he's coaching Sean Avery. <laughs> Um, so I'm sure those are the things that he's not going to forget that, but I just don't know that he knows any other way than to be frank and honest about what he's feeling. He may not put names on it at first. You know what I'm saying? But I, he's going to have, he has strong opinions that he just doesn't, he doesn't know how to beat around the bush. That's one thing we'll always miss about him in the coach's chair. But I I think people are going to tune in to see him. You know, what's wild, Bucci is when he was here in Columbus, the ad I think the most expensive ad rate window for the regional sports broadcast, first Fox Sports Ohio, recently Bally's, was the the advertising right before Tortorella's post game. <laughs> because that's how many people stuck around after the game. Um, he's he, he is that big of a of a draw, <laughs> and and I, I suspect there will be a lot of people tuning in just to see what the John Tortorella show. Looks like how much have you dealt with him so far? And is there any, has there been any sort of ground rules or, or just chemistry built or is this what today is? Yeah, no. Yeah. I haven't met him in person yet. Um, we've been on a couple of zooms, but nothing, you know, that's not really an intimate way to meet people. So yeah, I really sure. haven't dealt with him. That's why, you know, today's rehearsal is going to be fun just to meet him. Um, see, you know, what bus, but, buttons I can push with him and Messier. That's right. And, uh, how we can get the, the, the most out of them. And uh, like you said, that's what you want. You want in the, I always tell, I always tell any kind of analysts, you know, certainly once ESPN got hockey, I get contacted by 500 former players <laughs> wanting to get in television. It pays right, well, right. It's not that difficult, but uh, so, so yeah, so, so I'm really interested to find out. And what I tell them is that your first goal should be entertaining. You know, I think too many times people overthink the analyst role and try to be too smart. Yes. It's about entertainment. It's why Barkley's so good. It's why Madden was so good. Yeah. Um, certainly Madden had a lot of substance, but it's all about entertainment. We want towards to be towards to be, uh, you know, fired up and emotional and obviously informed. And he's, we know that yeah. and, uh, and empathetic to what we might be talking about. So, yeah. So hopefully he'll bring it in an enthusiastic 
an opinionated way that I'm not just a firebomb people and get coaches fired. You know, we're not interested in that, but really when it calls for it, let's bring it and let's, uh, let's entertain the people. That's what they're here for after yeah. working hard all day. And I always wish that there was a way to show people what a typical day at the rink with him was like yeah. from our, from our perspective. Cause there for all of the times he got short and slammed his fist on the podium and stormed out without taking questions, there were literally 10 or 12 uh, instances where you'd have these long conversations where it wasn't him stumping and barking and screaming. It was just an incredibly insightful, well thought out um, in a way that I think would really surprise people. He has very strong opinions about a lot of things, but most of them are really, really well thought out or at least open to open for discussion. So I think, I think uh, especially when he gets comfortable, I think he's going to be great. Um, let's, let's get to the blue jackets. Now, Butch, I look back on that Friday of the first round of the draft and you, as I said, handled it masterfully with, with the ESPN crew. Um, I, I look back on that day and I think of all of the things that happened, the, the Seth Jones trade had to happen once the player said he wasn't going to sign here long-term. Yep. And the return that they got for that to to move up twenty some spots or almost twenty spots in the first round and take uh, Cole Sillinger to grab Kent Johnson at number five to acquire Jake Bean for the second round pick that they that they got in the Jones trade and and then Corson Coolman's late in the first round the defenseman who a lot of people are are high on uh, it felt like a rare night for this franchise where everything that they could have hoped to happen happened like they were nervous as hell when they made yeah. that trade this the six through 11 picks scared to death that cole sillinger was going to go off the board and he stays on the board it felt like a special night for the franchise and i wonder if i know you're you were in you were you know all over all of the teams and the league as as a whole but when you think specifically about columbus's night what what comes to mind yeah, I mean, those are big moments for a franchise like that. It kind of, kind of reminds me of the Pittsburgh Pirates how in baseball, how they have to make these decisions. Who do we trade? When do we trade them? Who do we keep? And really, across the board, they pretty much have missed on all of them. And and Tampa has shown if you do it right, you can ha- you can build a successful team. You don't need to spend uh, $250 million to do it. And every in- instance, whether it was, you know, trading – Glasnow and Meadows for Chris Archer and or yeah. all those situations. Who do we sign? Who do we trade? How do we do this? And so, yeah, so a team like the Blue Jackets, obviously it's a little different with the floor and the hard cap. Um, they still can spend to it. But yeah, it was to be able to nail that like that. It, it's big. Like, like you said, it's not only for to get the actual assets, but it's, it's important for perception too. And I don't know if that weighs into their decision to keep Sillinger on the big team. I don't think it would. Um, but if it's close, you got to wonder having him there. Does that help at all uh, to have him there? If it's close, tie goes to the Seth Jones trade asset. I don't know. I'm sure in yeah. the end, they're going to do what's best for him. They would never jeopardize that. And he could end up being better than Kent Johnson's. That's the thing. Yeah. That's why I know they're so happy to get him. And obviously I, I I, he has a college angle with his brothers going to school and his and knowing his dad and, and being involved in that and seeing his brothers, how they act and how they are and, and how, how his dad talks about Cole. And I just, you know, you knew he was, this guy's the real deal and he's going to be able to be a pro. He's, 
his chances of being a professional are, are very, very strong. Yeah, you you said it, I think, so well. And the people listening to this are probably like, oh, God, he's going to say it again, isn't he? But <laughs> it, it was your line and it was at the draft. And it, I keep coming back to it because it just fits the kids so perfectly. And I've been I've been around him a lot now the last month or so. You said it's like he was born to do it. And I see the way that the kid handles himself on the ice, the way that Uchi, he might be the best all-around center on the roster. Yeah, right. Like right now. Right. Um, they, they don't have concerns about his two-way play, which is usually the concern with the 18-year-old hotshot. Yeah. Um, they don't have concerns about his strength. They don't have concerns about his character and can he handle being in the NHL at, at this tender age because he is comported the way that he is. He walks away from every interview, but not until he has shaken the hand of everyone who's asked him a question, right? Like, wow, the kid, yeah. like there is a, it's like Mike Sillinger had him in how to be an NHL player school from the time he was in second grade, which I guess he kind of probably did, but he, oh, no. he feels like the kid belong. I, I, and I, I don't know who he can send him to Cleveland because they drafted him out of the USHL. So that's a that's incredible flexibility for them. I just don't see any way he goes back to junior, and I think he makes the team out of camp, which which should be exciting. It should, yeah, born, yeah, like like you said, born and, and built to do it too. Like there's no doubt there's an advantage of having uh, an NHL dad to be exposed to get that early learning curve and to, and also have two competitive brothers to grow up with. Who are yeah. pushing you and That's having right. that competition, and and they're D one hockey players themselves. So yeah, you have all that competition, and obviously the whole, the whole Canadian mindset. Talking to Dylan Cousins at the uh, Players Tour in Chicago, the Buffalo Sabers, he's got kind of that same serious mindset. Um, but yeah, the the part of the world he grew up, he grew up in Paul Sillinger, the competitive brothers, the NHL dad, strong mom, competitive. Uh, mindset and obviously some good genetics of, of strength and speed and fast twitch. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's uh it's all there. And those, you know, there's a reason why they like that kind of pedigree and it's not a surprise. So yeah, that everything worked out for the Seth Jones trade so well, it couldn't have worked out any better. And then to get Lorensky signed, I think yes. is really attached to that. It, it's, it doesn't mean as much unless they sign him because then it shows here we go again. So that really, that, that whole thing could not have worked out any, better it's why it's why even today someone asked me what do you think jack Eichel could end up and i didn't put columbus down there because yeah pat Brisson's his agent and he's probably not gonna and if pat will make anything happen de facto commissioner um okay. i just think you know you can never rule out columbus because all the teams i put are strong organizations obviously the gm yarmo and jd the ownership the ring it's just a stable place and that's and I, you probably could and, and Yarmo is not a he's fearless so you just yes. and they have stuff and they have room it's just you know I I some, I would love to see him hit that out of the ballpark as well yeah I'm I'm really curious to see just where how that plays out because my my the the health of the player is is absolutely paramount I sound ridiculous even saying that because right. of course but my God like the fact that it's gone on this long is just it's petty. It's oh, very petty. It, it, yes. it, it, speak, it speaks of the Sabres organization, um, and the league has to get involved. Maybe they have in the back channels with Brisson. Right. 
he'll, right. he'll make it happen. It could be a three-way trade. It could be a four-way trade. But he will get his guy somewhere. And uh, as soon as he made the agent change, I figured it would happen. And I expect it'll happen. You know, hey, it could happen before the season even starts. It might happen by the weekend. But yeah. it could take an extra week or so. But, yeah, it, it's going to happen. So I, I keep hearing from uh, from people who watch the Blue Jackets and follow the Blue Jackets that, that you know, they could be better than people think. This season, and I, I always go back to it. Well, I wonder what people think this season. <laughs> uh, well, they could be better than last year. Well, they, yeah, they could be better than last year. I still think that this is a team that's going to struggle, and I think they know they're going to struggle. I yep. think the 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 one thing that's different now. You and I have talked about this a lot. You've been a you've been a proponent of it for a long time. Doing doing what they're doing now, quite honestly which they've had, and I say this all the time too, they've had seasons that look, that make them look like a rebuilding team, not under this current management, but they've had seasons that look like a rebuilding team would play, but they haven't really been rebuilding then. This is by knowing what Seth Jones' plans were a year out and acting aggressively, it just gives them it just feels like they have really plotted out a course for where they need to be and the major question marks on their roster all have reasonable and optimistic future answers so they're weak down the middle or at least unsettled down the middle and the answer there is Sillinger and perhaps Kent Johnson right that's that's really good they have question marks on the right side do they have a, enough physical play defensively well the answer there in a couple of years is course and Kuhlman's. Um, they've got Voronkov. there's a wave of talent now coming but it could be a rough year in Columbus or a difficult year in Columbus maybe they're an upstart team that hangs around a little bit but what do you, what do you see from this group and what's what is reasonable yeah I see it as a three-year plan I'm sure like you said these 18 year olders um, can they be at 21, you know, impact, big impact NHL players. Now, if that's Sillinger's third year, that certainly could be a very good chance. I always tell, been writing this for 15, 20 years since I started writing my hockey column on.com. Players peak, you know, people always thought their peak was 28, 32 because that was baseball peak. But yeah. I mean, I, I always say when Wayne Gretzky scored his 92 goals, when Bobby Orr flew through the air in the overtime goal, when Sidney Crosby raised his Stanley Cup. I mean, they're 21 year old men. They're, they're, they're 21, 22. They're not, they are, it's a young man's game. So I think if they get two more lotteries, like you said, and, and plug these holes, they'll always be able to sign that third line character guy. That's that third defenseman character D they'll always have room for that as a, to, to sign that guy who's looking for a place and so, but it's going to have to come, like you said, it's Sillinger, it starts with Sillinger and Johnson. Their, their ceiling is the ceiling of the team yes. in, all, in all likelihood. Because, it, you know, and unless they swing some sort of center out of nowhere. Um, and like you said, but you can get guys in the second and third round, Marchand, Bergeron, like things, things are possible. And if, if you scout well and you believe in your, in your you know, in your scouting department and, and your values, you can do it. So I see them. Yeah, they're not obviously not going to make the playoffs this year. Probably not next year. But I'm thinking, you know, like I said, in, in three years, can they be in a position where these guys develop quickly and then they keep hitting on these picks 
like they can plug them in at a decent age. And then, uh, and then the, the current crop they have now can continue to grow with the team and Wierenski's obviously there and other guys that can then stabilize the young talent that will need to be the best players on the team. So that's, yeah. I, I guess that's my point. The best players on the team are going to have to be 21-year-olds, which is fine. You can win that way. You'll need the, you'll need the support of some older guys. Um, but yeah, you, you can win that. What do you think of the Metro? I keep I, I keep having hearing people say how how deep and strong the Metro is. I'm not sure I buy that. There's definitely obviously chances now because of the aging, you know, Penguins and Capitals. Right. And, and uh, those teams are definitely bubble playoff teams. Um, I guess that's why because you know they're such a strong. You know, obviously they're they're so much they're su- such in a better position than the Blue Jackets than the teams who are really good. And our, our playoff teams are ready to go. Um, you know, those are the teams that they figure are, are that deep in the field to maybe a sixteen division, a sixteen bubble of yeah. really, you know, possible teams. And the Blue Jackets certainly would be under that, under that bubble. So yeah, uh, yeah you want to see how it plays out, and with injuries and with age, um, and even you know, even the Rangers are the Rangers the real deal or not? Some people That's think right. they might have taken a step back. Um, so you're right. I think there's a lot of mystery there. The Eastern conference is being forecast as a much better conference. And obviously the, the two divisions, the Atlantic certainly being the best, but sure. yeah, I agree. There's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks in that with the, because of the flyers and the Rangers and the capitals, and the, there is a lot of question marks there. And even, like I said, even Carolina is different now. So They're different. I agree. It's, yeah. it's, it's way up in the air. And, um, and I guess, I guess your point is you never know. <laughs> get off to yeah. a seven and three start and get some excitement brewing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not suggesting the Blue Jackets are in the top right. half of that at all. I'm not. I just don't know how it falls. Like Carolina, I think is diminished from last year. Yeah, I, I don't so. know about the Rangers. I, I think they're getting better, but I don't know where they're at yet. I. It's hard for me to to vote against. Pittsburgh or Washington just based upon what we know, but I do think they've reached the peak of who they are and they're starting down the other side of that. Philly's the team, Hoochie. I'd never know if Philadelphia is going to finish fourth in the East or 26th in the league. (laughs) They're all over the map. The only thing I know for sure is they're probably going to have a goaltender that you thought retired three years ago. That's the flyer way. But I, I, I just look at the division and I'm thinking, man, I I just don't know how this thing's going to sift. At some point, the doubles are going to be good. At some point, yes. it's gonna it's gonna pop there, but I'm not sure if that's this year uh, or not. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, and and I might lift this pearl of wisdom you're gonna drop on us to to put in a story before the season. What is the joy in this season coming? What do you look at? How do you measure joy? How do you find joy in a season where wins and losses probably shouldn't be the chief determinant of that? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of the reset. It's almost like um, it's a bit of like an expansion reset. You know, we're out of the pandemic. We're going to games. We're getting more social. We're making more human contact. Uh, Someone like Nicole Sillinger is a hopeful prospect to kind of attach yourself to. The perfect kind of guy to build something around. Zacharensky decided to stay long term. That's going to make you feel good. You can now buy a Zacharensky sweater. (laughs) <laughs> and feel yes. like you won't be gone right. next week. So right. just think you can attach yourself to Wierenski, attach yourself to Sillinger, and then you see this, and obviously the goalie is, is really interesting and fun, yeah. 
And so, yeah, those three guys, you kind of go from there and you just start over again and you keep it. Obviously, it's such a great organization and some great messengers in the organization. And I hope Brad does really well. And I hope he's able to get some traction as a head coach. You know, we'll find out pretty quickly you know, about him and about his talent and ability. Um, this is the way you're going to find out if he's a head coach and if he can tactically strategize and manage an organization. So it's a great chance to find out what he can do. And I'm sure he's excited about the chance. He's had a great mentor. And uh, it's, I think it was a, a smart, seamless hire. And so, yeah, so it's kind of like a, a you know, a, a reset, an expansion reset to, uh, to look to the future and have a definite window that you can follow Kent Johnson in Michigan this year in college hockey. You know, you can yeah. follow these guys a little bit and then see how things, and then also get excited about next year's draft class. And where might we, who are the top five guys? Can we get right. back there? And that's, I always enjoy that part about being a fan going back as a kid was looking at the future and the prospects because that's what keeps like a college atmosphere, a campus atmosphere. It keeps re-energizing and regenerating every year. Yeah. Bucci, what's the best plate of chicken Parmesan you've ever had? <laughs> I had a great spot in the North end. I, 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 uh, I still don't have the, um, the, uh, the restaurant burned in my head, but I have tweeted out on occasion. But uh, yeah, so if you tweet, if you search Butchergrass North end and chicken parm, it'll probably come up. That that one I seem to remember as being just just a delectable, outstanding piece of parm. It was outside sidewalk cafe with my son. That probably could have contributed to it. And I was voraciously hungry, but right. I nailed it. And what makes the perfect plate? I, I I see your grading system on Twitter, and and it depends on what time of day. They all look pretty damn good to me. Sometimes <laughs> you're sometimes you're a little hard on. I'm a little harsh. I expect you know, I, I expect a lot. I have a high ceiling for my farm. Um, right. You know, for, it starts with the chicken itself. It's the, the piece of chicken has to be a quality piece of chicken, obviously. Right. Um, but then, you know, you can't burn it too much. Um, mm -hmm. You got to make sure it, it's covered with cheese. The sauce has to be a, a, a color that looks like it yeah. tastes good. I, right. I don't need grass clippings on top of my stuff. Don't Parsley. put the pasta underneath the parm because I got to move it anyway. So why, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you just put it where I'd move it? You can't, you can't cut over pasta. You got no base. You got no, you got no foundation there. Got no leverage, got no palm leverage. So uh, yeah, a little presentation. It comes down to taste, obviously. But yeah. you know, let's have a little pride in the presentation and understand the power of cheese. And you don't you don't want a big pile of of uh, pasta either, do you? No, I mean, the pasta should be less than the size of the chicken, or I'll give you equal at best. But I don't want yeah. seven pounds of pasta and next to a piece of chicken. You're just you're just eating sugar. You're trying to lower right. the sugar intake. Pasta oh, is sugar. So let's just have a little bit and have just a little bit of a taste. Oh, it's the best. Bucci, I'm happy for you back in the saddle with uh, hockey, with ESPN. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I get a Blue Jacket game. That's what I'm really hoping for. Uh, Nothing on the November schedule or October schedule, uh, but I'm really hoping I get a game in Columbus, and we'll see what happens with December. I think after December, my games will probably diminish because all the football announcers are coming back, Levy, McDonough. Uh, they do a lot of football games now, so they can't do as much hockey. So I'm right. hoping – that uh, I'll get a Columbus game. That would be a blast to uh, yeah. do call an NHL game in Ohio, where obviously my fandom really was uh, was grown and uh, yeah. harvested and reaped and sowed. That's fantastic. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, AP. You're the man. Well, you are the man. And thanks to our producer, Danielle Lehman. Thanks to David Cook for the fantastic 
theme music. And we'll talk to you all uh, next week. Thanks for listening to Front End Nationwide. Talk to you then.